0: Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Theo Life Without. It's a new year, a new day. I hope everybody is safe and healthy, man. Cause uh, I'm so glad we put 2020 behind us, and it's time to move forward. Now, I know I usually come on, you know, and I just dive straight into the topic. But you know, I've been see- receiving a lot of uh, a lot of messages and there's a lot of things you know that's been going on that I definitely want to talk about but I have a question and it's just something just for you know everybody to just truly think about and the question is what type of friend are you you know prison is doing time is built on friendships um Especially depending on the strength of the, of the friendship and the weakness. But what type of friend are you? Are you the accountable friend? The dependable friend? Or are you the self-saboteur? You know what I'm talking about? The The, the jealous friend? The I told you so friend? Or the motivating friend? Have you ever met The type of person, have you ever met a type of person that was discouraged, broken, misunderstood, singled out, and or taken advantage of? Of course, everyone has met this type of person, but what did you do when you saw it? Did you keep walking because it actually had absolutely nothing to do with you? Or did you stay put, see to it that that person was all right? You know, before I caught this case, you know, 1999 and back. November 15th of 1999 and back. The type of friend that I am. The type of friend that I was was I was a motivating friend. If I saw you down and out, I'm going to sit and be down and out with you, but at the same time, I'm going to pick you up. Yep, that's the type of friend that I was. It's embedded in me. You know, I'm one of those Deeply rooted friends to where I don't care if everybody hates your guts. I'll stick with you. Until you burn me, of course. You know, then I got to truly pay attention. You know, I used to, you know, I, I told you guys in the beginning that I'm originally from North Carolina. You know what I'm talking about? It's, You know, my parents, they made the decision to come all the way out here, away from everybody. And, you know, it's cool for a fresh start, but it's, uh, you know, for me as a teenager, not having, you know, I'm talking about a go-to house. Like, if everything is going to shit at home, I didn't have a cousin's house that I could go to. I didn't have, you know, I'm talking about that aunt. I can be like, hey, or, hey, mom, dad, I'm gonna, hey, I'm gonna be over at, you know, cousin, you know, I'm talking about his house. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna spend a weekend over there. I didn't have that, you know, everything was going and shit at the house. Uh, <laughs> you had to be in the house, you know. That's where, you know, knowing my wife, especially as a, at 10 years old, you know, 11 and all that. That's where she came into play. She was a huge escape for me because. I was able to just sneak out of the house at a certain hour and just go across the street and jump that fence and dive through that window. And that's where that was my calm, you know what I'm talking about? But once I got out in the street in the daylight and, you know, and the sun is up, you know, I made my friends my family. You know, I made, I made you know, people cousins and ended up calling their mothers aunts. And, you know, by the time I got to jail, jail is, jail truly showed me that all that, that makeup family stuff that I did was wrong. It showed me that, you know, all those people that, that she was, oh yeah, that's was my cousin. Those calls that I got in the middle of the night, you know what I'm talking about? Hey Theo, hey, such and such is getting ready to happen. Hey, I know you know them on that side of town. Can you come through and talk to somebody before it really blows up? Yeah, me, you know, running out of the house and shit like it was my neighbor that was in some beef. I, you know, I here I come to save the day. But as soon as I caught that case, nothing. All that family stuff didn't matter. People changed their phone number. You know, and then you get in jail, it's like, you know, my first, my first uh, month or so, I think I spent inside the cell. Like I wasn't even, I would come out, shower, and that was it. But, and it's, and you know, and it's worthless anyways, because everybody is there for something different. And you don't know how long they're gonna be there You know, they come in on a violation or whatever, a new charge, a minor charge, you know, catch a charge and they're already out, you know, on the street or on their way to do their time. Me, you know, had a murder case and he's sitting in this jail, you know, for like record highs. It was almost like a contest between lawyers to see how long they could sit their clients in jail for these cases. So, you know, and plus, you know, you get in one fist fight or whatever in that jail and you're off to the hole and there's no guarantee that you're gonna come back to that same floor, you know. So you really can't you, you just build just simple acknowledgments, not friendships. You know, it's it's an acknowledgement from other people that know that you exist. You know, when 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 the the going gets tough, they know you'll roll. Or they'll know that you won't. You know, tr- trust me. Jail and and those high-strung situations, it it brings it brings out who the person actually is. And you know, there's no hiding. I always tell people when they say, you know, compare compare jail, compare prison to something. What can you compare it to? And I tell them, it's just like high school. But (laughs) as disgusting as it sounds, an all-boy high school, you know, there's no girls, there's no one to impress. So you find yourself, you know, mentally adding in whatever it is you need to add in to keep yourself up to par. But I sat in the Sacramento County Jail for almost three years. I had... One selling for, we were Selly's for one full year. You know, I had been on both sides of that jail. You know, the east side, I was on five east for a long time. And then, I you know, I ended up on the west side. Um, and me and this guy, John Jingles, was cellies from on uh, four west, 214. And we were Selly's for one full year. He was fighting a hard case, and I was fighting my case. that was as close to a friend in jail at that point that I had you know we wasn't in there like oh yeah we're cousins like we we weren't fronting like we knew each other from the street because we didn't it's funny because when we sat down and, and you talk about the people you know yeah we I mean you know the, the six de- the six degrees of separation really proves we we were like one or two people off from running into each other. But, you know, we didn't know each other on the street and it's funny because we both were like, Man, I wish I knew you on the street. You know? You sense the you sense the strength. He used to kick my ass in the chest too, by the way. I, I think he beat me at least 90, 90 games before I got my first game. You know, he he's always telling me, you got so much on your mind, just block all that out and play. You know And then I, that one that, that time that first win, I truly did that. My, my blind my mind was blank. You know and then after me and him became sellies, uh, you know I ended up going to the hole. I didn't go back to that floor. Me and him only saw each other one time we were both going to trial at the same time. He was going to Fed trial. And I was going to get on the bus to go to the superior court, and we saw each other through the glass, and was like, "What's up, Way?" You know, we kept moving, um, but after that, you know, I had hit miss cellies. Some people, like I said, would be in there for two, three days, and they're gone. You know, I ended up getting a few sellies or whatever. That was, that was cool. You pass time. They either slept too much or they talked too much. You know, was, there was no balance. And. You know, I got to prison. That was interesting. Because then that's when it really sets. You got people that are just there. You know, I remember my first I uh, was this real old dude. He was cool, you know, he, he, he was out of the way. And all he could do was tell me about all the old stuff from prison. But he always told me that the way you conduct yourself, you won't have a problem know we're doing time because you obviously have it have that together you know but fast forwarding you know through tracy and all that you know the reception side of it getting the high desert that was an opportunity to really see where my friendship lied you know first ellie Me and him was cool or whatever. He was out of San Diego. And uh, we had our differences, you know, he was, you know, because people have done X amount of time, they have a little bit of, they have an advantage on you in how much time they've done. They feel like they're responsible for how you do time, you know, and they want to, you know, it's like like little micromanagers, you know, it's like, don't micromanage me, you know, watch me grow or watch me, or watch me destroy myself. And, you know, me and him, we butted heads like that. I'm like, hey, I came in here by myself. When them doves poppin' and the pills rock me back, guess what, I'm going to leave by myself. So, you do your time, I'll do mine. You know, My time didn't get me in no trouble. So, that was the last thing I needed, you know, was, was somebody's advice about how to sit in prison in a cell and just you know watch the walls or whatever or some tv you know i truly had i truly had stuff to do so me and him ended up parting but the next cellie that i got was my most my man's uh david fulbright fulbright was solid me and him we clicked on the yard asap and he was like bro we should be sellers he was like yeah i'm not even sure he said dude i'm with it's just. I'm in the cell with is you know whatever. He's like we can do it, but that was the smoothest time. My first two years was with David Fulbright, even though we were on a lockdown, you know, for 24 months. But this is this is what I tell you: these lockdowns, um, these lockdowns tells you exactly where you are at mentally. You know, me and Slick, we didn't we didn't have any ailments, any health issues, or nothing like that. The only time we went to the clinic was to get information about what, what was gonna happen on the yard, what other buildings were talking about, stuff like that. But other than that, we were in the cell. So we were around each other 24 hours a day, literally. <laughs> the only privacy we got was when we went to the bathroom and uh, when showers came, you know, they used to come... They used to be jerks and come at 7 in the morning, you know, right after breakfast was served. Water is freezing cold. And, you know, they... they you know, they... Uh, the, the the CO's was Moore and Williams, and the tower was for Toto. They were solid because they at least let us get the damn water warm, you know? We weren't in there taking them ice ice water showers and stuff. So, you know, that was that was solid or whatever they used to be like take your time whenever you get out you get out but that was our privacy you know man you know you know iron sharpens iron sharpens iron so the books that I read Fulbright read the books he read I read The stuff that we learned, we would immediately teach each other exactly what, you know, the kites I used to get about filing habeas corpus. Fulbright actually got back on that horse of filing his habeas corpus uh, for his case. Once he saw, you know, all the help that I was getting and the kites I was getting, you know, he got back on that horse, you know, so it was it was a relief. Mentally and spiritually to be around someone just as strong, you know, and and even the fact that there was, you know, he'll admit there was a time he kind of like gave he he had given up and stepped back from it and was kind of just like you know when I get out, you know I get out I you know I always got faith that I get out but I didn't end up reading this scripture until I was twenty seven. Or 12, right before my 27th birthday. But, uh you know, it's the scripture in the Bible that says, uh, show me your faith with no works. I'll show you my faith by my work. And, <laughs> you know, I was showing my faith by my work. By the hard work of putting this habeas corpus together, writing this story as simple as possible to these courts. Even though they were denying me. And that was heartbreaking at first when I already told you guys. How I felt about that. It was heartbreaking. Uh, But Fulbright was there. He was that motivating friend. You understand? He was the motivating friend that. You know for one. We're two young bulls. You know. And we respect each other's strength. But there ain't no consoling and coddling and hugging, (laughs) hugging it out. You know. Amongst two. You know, two young, young soldiers. You know what I'm talking about? There's just the pat on the back and the kind words. Because we both know how the other is and we know. Give it a little bit of time. Go ahead and take, go ahead and sleep on it. You'll be back in the morning, bruh. It's going to be okay. And then they just sit back and they watch you do exactly what they just told you you were going to do. That's a friend. So, you know, when my the two-year ride of that was over and, you know, I had to be on my merry way to the next prison yard, you know, which was a 270, which is allegedly, you know, a, a reward from being on a 180. Um, and I hit that yard and I went through three cellies before... Me and Cedric Carr ended up becoming cellies. Three cellies. Like I couldn't stand them. I had one that, you know, he was an older, older cat in his 60s. He he had 35 years in the prison system. Not to mention YA. So we butted heads. (laughs) He moved. Next person came in. We truly butted heads. He moved. Another one came in and, you know, I, I I remember all their names, but I'm not even going to give them that gratification. You know, they know exactly who they are, especially if they hear this podcast, they know exactly who they are. And, you know, it was just, we were going in two different directions. I don't care if they say they were going right. And I was going left. I don't care, but they weren't the definition of friends, you know? And me and Cedric Carr ended up becoming Um, uh, because it's funny. While I was going through these, through these, these three sellies, um said had some books and he shoot me. And I was like, hey, I don't, I don't want to read. You know, I don't want to. I, don't, hey. he was like, I was like, you got some books? He'd be like, yeah, I got some books. I tell him, bro, I don't want to read no nigga novels. I don't want to read all that the hood bullshit. I, I want to read something that's gonna. You know, get my mind off this. You know, I don't care what it is. So he shoot me intellectual books. You know, where where where, he was one of those type of people. Like he had an older brother, but his older brother, no exaggeration, was was like 30 plus years older than him. So in a sense, he's like the only child. And. You could tell he wanted an older brother that he could actually, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, that he could vent to, that he could bounce ideas off of, that he could trust. You know, like I said, we've known each other dating back two weeks to me, from me being 17 years old in juvenile hall, and F unit. And you could see it then. You know, he kinda he he hung with people that were themselves. You know, didn't have nothing to prove. So when me and him ended up becoming Sellies, he knew he had that comfort with me. He knew that I that I had his back. And plus, you know, word had already traveled about how I do my time. And um And plus, you know, in a nutshell, like I said, you know, I've always wanted a little brother. Having a little brother is like is awesome and it gives you the right to be protective. You know, I'm a I'm a younger brother. I'm the youngest of my two siblings. And my big brother is my my big brother is a genuine big brother. He's eight years older than me, but he's dropped. Rock is genuinely. a big brother he's cool I was in the sixth grade me and him was the same size so I'm wearing his clothes and (laughs) and he's 18 years old I'm 10 and I'm wearing my brother's clothes to school you know so but but my brother was when my brother was protective he was like Cujo off the chain you understand so I had a strong idea as to how I'm supposed to be as a as a brother as a big brother and you know there's there's more to it than just being protected. It's you know, it's advice, it's is comfort, is it's uh seeing to it that things get done in a in a responsible fashion. You know, you can't make me look bad, I won't make you look bad. So mine and Cedric Carr's friendship has grown from you know, us being friends to him becoming my little brother like in a short amount of time you know the one thing about being out is i'm not able to watch every single body i'm not i'm not able to watch everybody the same way i could watch people in prison because in prison we're all in the same building you know what i'm talking about you you can there's always somebody in the window where i don't care if it's two in the morning I don't, I don't, I don't care if it's at high noon. There's always somebody in the, will, in the window to see who comes and goes, who talks to the police, you know, who's doing something suspicious or who's doing something solid. There's always somebody watching. But out here is you can be whoever you want to be. I don't have the energy to uh, fabricate my friendship. You know, I'm an open book. I can genuinely tell when I meet people if I would like to be able to be around them a little bit longer, to see who they are. You know, my grandmother, she had the saying, she told my mother and all her kids, and then my mother, of course, in turn told her kids, said a person can only hide who they truly are for so long. You just have to give them time And, you know, being out, I've met, I've met my handful of solids. You know, I send about a thousand good morning texts, you know, and those that respond back are the ones that I continuously do it with and for, you know, because I truly mean good morning. You know, we woke up this morning, you know, I mean, especially now, you know, we, we got 2020 behind us, but, you know, the whole coronavirus, the pandemic, all that isn't behind us. So there are a lot of people like my man Ozone from Breaking, are you kidding me? Just dropped just dropped dead. Tested negative and then he turns around and and wakes up with a, with wings on his back and a halo over his head. So when I send my good morning text out, I truly mean good morning. You know, glad glad we made it another day. You know? And I've come across my share of snakes, man, since being out, and this is only you know three years and three years and uh, three months. And I've run across people that have said they were one way and they were the complete opposite. I've ran across people that said they were one way and they truly are. They are deeply rooted in who they are. And I salute you 100%. But the one thing that prison taught me is, and even my past life, what all that has taught me about what type of friend I am. Now, you know, I'm a husband, I'm a father. I'm a cautious friend. I look out for the best interests of us, for me and my friends. I want us to do well. I'm not jealous of anybody's success because I know my time is gonna come. You know, that's that's the definition of true success. You know, when it comes and it sits in your lap, you know exactly how to handle it. But recently people have shown me that they can't stand my success. And you know, from my perspective, I'm not that successful right now, you know. I'm still, I'm doing good in school or whatever, but I'm not where I where I need to be. I'm 40, I'm a 40 year old student in community college, banging out three different classes, you know, and I'm I'm getting my occasional C, you know, but for the most part, I'm an A B student, and I got a long ways to go. And one thing that being out, people see is, you know, when you have the type of personality to where you will, you would give the shirt off your back for somebody, I'm going to give you some advice. If you have that type of spirit, do it for a complete stranger. Do that for a complete stranger. I mean, a person that once you give it to them, there's no exchange in numbers. There's no nothing here in turn. That blessing would go so much further. You know, I got a a quick story for you before I close out. And this is a good one, too. Me and uh, my wife and her friend, who I call my sis, Tish. um, (laughs) They were having lunch downtown at the cafeterias, like right across the street from the Capitol. They were having lunch. Uh, It's funny because I was on the phone with said when I walked in the cafeteria. You know, I let him and I let him and Tish talk on the phone real quick. You know, say I was like, man, it sounded like a thousand people in there. I was like, bro, I'm like, my wife and her friend have lunch here. Say hi, you know. And but after that lunch, you know, I walked my wife out, and she got in the car, and there was this homeless guy, this homeless dude I always, I used to always see when I was, you know, before I started driving. Uh, I was always, you know, catching the light rail, and he'd always ask for money or you'd see the guard coming on a light rail, ready to bang out them tickets, you know, for you riding without paying for a ticket. And I gave him one of my extra tickets one day and he told me, God bless you. And he told me your reward is in heaven. I'll never forget him. Uh, I end up seeing him again. I'm coming out of the cafeteria and he says, I would like for you to have this money. Tried to give me a homeless guy, a homeless guy. He's probably about six feet, lean build. You know what I'm talking about? Stringy, blonde hair. He had hair like a like a golden retriever. You know what I'm talking about? He and he was like, "I'd like for you to have my money." I was like, "I said I thought it was supposed to be the other way around. I'm supposed to give." He was like, "No." He was like, "I would like my blessings in heaven. I'd like for you to have my money." And there was uh, some kids coming, teenagers, probably late teens or whatever. They was coming, I said, why don't you give them your money? You know, they might need it a little more. He looked at him and he was like, nah. He said, if you're not gonna accept my money, I understand, but I just want my blessings in heaven. And then he said, I was like, well, you definitely gonna get your blessings in heaven, man, you have a good day. And right when I'm spinning to walk off, he says, can I have a hug? (laughs) A homeless dude says, can I have a hug? And I was like, man, you can't tell me, you know, all this, this, this godly nature. You can't tell, you can't run that by me before, and then spring on me, can I have a hug? And I was like, you know what? Absolutely. I closed the door on my wife. Uh, She was in the car, getting ready to drive off. I walked right up to him, and I embraced him like, like he was, Cedric Carr or David Fulbright, and they were just getting home. That's how I hugged that man And my wife would tell you my wife would tell you She said after you guys hugged and you walked away He looked to the sky and he said thank you Jesus (laughs) That's crazy, but Like I say, what type of friend are you? I sincerely appreciate you guys listening to this today. And any questions or comments that you have, feel free to drop them on me. I answer them as we go along, all right? Thank you again for listening to Theo Life Without. Happy New Year. Stay solid.